Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Shine a Light on series. Today, we will be shining a light on finding your passions in college with Joseph Choi. Welcome, Joseph. Thanks for having me, Mariah. I'm excited. Of course. Yes, me too. And to start, can you just give us a brief introduction into who you are? Yeah, I'm a senior at the University of Michigan. I'm studying economics and I'm really interested in marketing, product management, writing. I interned at Salesforce last summer as a business operations intern, and I'm actually returning to Salesforce next year as a technical writer, which is not something I predicted myself getting into at all. So I guess we'll be talking more about that later in the podcast. Yes, definitely. And and congrats on that return offer, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. So we're here today to talk about a bit of a transformation that I think you and many other college students have during college, which is identifying your passion and using that to choose a major career. So tell me about the version of yourself. Just graduated from high school, just started college. Who were you? And maybe where was your confidence level at? What challenges did you face? Mm, yeah, where was my confidence level at? That's a good <laughs> question. Not not great. I think in high school, I was a very quiet person. I think I still am somewhat of a mellow like low-key quiet person but I think back then I had a reputation for being like the quiet kid in class who never you know talked to other people and never really like spoke up and not only that I think I also just struggled with like motivation just finding motivation and to finish homework or just you know try hard in school and I always got like decent grades and I was more of a math or science person kind of like the typical like Asian kid quiet Asian kid who's good at math and science. (laughs) But I think that kind of persona, I think my identity was like very tied to that is partly just due to culture and just the type of high school that I was in kind of feeling left out, but also just kind of like a self-imposed identity, fully embracing like, oh, you're going to make me feel like like quiet Asian kid. Well, I'll just like fully embrace it. And so I think when I was a high school senior coming into college, I really did want to change. I was really trying to find more motivation. I wanted to be more motivated, try new things in college. Yeah, I mean, that's how it was uh, in that transition period. That's good to know. So you're hopeful for yourself, which is good. I was hopeful, also a little bit desperate. Yes, okay. <laughs> From, you know, like four years or I guess seven years because like middle school was similar. True, yes. I think that's very fair. I think transitioning into college, especially people know that they can start over if they were like to clean slate. So that makes mm, sense. Yeah. And fast forward to who you are today, a few years later, can you describe the version of yourself today and how are you different than what you just described? Yeah. So I'm a senior in college now. So it's about four years later. I think that the biggest difference, I guess there's two things. The first thing is that I am not afraid of trying new things senior year of high school, I wanted to try new things, but that inhibition was still there. But I think that now I just love trying new things. I love meeting new people. But I think even more importantly, that whole mindset of trying new things has made me more on track to finding what I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would look at me and say like, oh, you're passionate about so many things. I don't think I'm passionate about things. I'm still 21 years old and I'm still like finding out what I'm passionate about. But I think the difference is that I'm trying those things right now. And mm-hmm. I think I'm slowly in the process of figuring those things out. Yes. It's just a chat about trying new things for a second. That could be terrifying to many people, right? It's easier said than done. I think. Oh, yeah. How'd you get over that? You said you were a little shy and now you're just like, I don't fear this at all. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of it is just, <laughs> I think when you're desperate, you'll do anything. <laughs> 
And I think throughout high school, I endured a lot of my own complacency for like four years and I just couldn't take it anymore. And I just wanted the most radical change. My first week of freshman year at Michigan, I committed to myself that I would go to the dining hall every day and sit with a random person and talk to them. Wow. And I actually did that for the first like two weeks. It was probably the most terrifying thing I've <laughs> ever done, but I did it. It also really helps to have a change in setting because I'm from Philly and I went to college in Michigan, which is like seven hours away or whatever, or like 11 hours away driving. So I didn't know very many people here. Like you said, there was that aspect of like, I can choose my own identity and I can kind of like create my own new character. I sort of did that. One of the hardest things about changing is other people's perception of you. Even if you want to make positive changes, it's really hard to change your personality or change who you are, how you are, because like you're afraid that people are going to not judge you, but I guess you're afraid of how they'll react mm -hmm. if you just suddenly change. That fear was kind of gone when I transitioned into college because I just saw it as a clean slate. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Thank you for sharing that. That is incredible. Sitting next to a stranger every day for two weeks. I don't know <laughs> if I can do that, but... But yeah, I definitely yeah. agree with you. My first year of college, I also was like, what What do you have to lose? Please just try this yeah. or you will regret it. So yes, that's yes. good. Oh, that's a good point too. Regret. I think regret is like a really powerful emotion for me that mm -hmm. I absolutely hate. I think rejection is such a powerful emotion too, but I think my fear of regret is more powerful than my fear of rejection. I agree. <laughs> so I think that's what motivates me. Yes, I love that. That definitely makes sense. And I know you mentioned earlier that you're young, obviously, and you may be passionate about things right now. That can change. I think passion is malleable. Mm -hmm. But what does it mean in general, in your opinion, to be passionate about something? And how can people identify what they're passionate about? Mm, yeah, there's this like Japanese concept of ikigai. I don't remember exactly what it is, but I read about it. It's like the intersection between what you're good at, what you enjoy doing, and what the world needs. If you find something that fulfills those three categories, like for me, that's something that I can find myself passionate about because it feels like, you know, I actually enjoy doing it. It's actually useful to other people and I'm actually good at it. So I think finding those things is a way to define something that you're passionate about. But I agree, like passion is malleable. I think in college, there's a ton of pressure to find your passion, like especially with the major system mm -hmm. to choose one thing that you're going to study for four years, which will also somewhat define the future of the jobs you're going to get. I think that's so much pressure to to find like a major that you're passionate about. But I seriously don't believe that anyone can be passionate about a major. Like I don't think it's possible to be passionate about biology or be passionate about economics or business. Like sure, you can have an interest, like a strong interest in it. For example, like I see people like saying, oh, I'm passionate about investment banking. Oh, really? Are you? <laughs> like, <laughs> That's such a short-term thing to be passionate about. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe there's something underneath that that you're actually passionate about. For example, I think that I'm an econ major. I enjoy my major, but I, I think that the thing that I'm passionate about that's underneath that is that I am passionate about 
people because of my passion for just really understanding what makes people tick and the motivations behind what people do and human behavior and getting to know new people. I think that's why I am drawn more to economics because economics is kind of the study of human behavior, but in quantifiable terms. So I think that's why I was drawn to economics. No, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I really like what you said about this pressure of, of choosing a major. I mean, I think identifying a passion can be difficult too, especially when people think they're passionate about something, but mm-hmm. it's really just like an, an interest maybe, but passion is yeah. a little bit deeper. And I agree that no major alone can probably represent your passion as a whole. So mm. thank you for noting that. That being said, even though it is difficult, I am curious of your thoughts of like in a college setting, what resources should I look for? Or what should I do if I'm like, I don't even know what to study to somewhat represent what I'm passionate about? Where should I mm-hmm. start? Yeah, that's a really hard question. And I don't think I can really answer it for everyone because it's different for everyone. But just speaking from my own experience, I think just trying everything <laughs> is how I did it. And I'm still doing it. Like, I don't think I've found, you know, my core passion in life. I think I'm still finding, you know, I'm passionate about a few things and those things will change. The way I did it was I started out as a computer science major, you know, because I was the math and science kid. I kind of defaulted to it. Like, I'll just, you know, I'll just major in CS and I'll get it. Like I'll be an engineer. After about a year of that, I didn't really like it anymore. I couldn't imagine myself sitting at a computer for eight hours a day and like not interacting with people. Obviously engineers do interact with people, but I think I wanted something a little bit more people oriented. So then I actually switched to information science. So it's still somewhat technical, but a little bit more people centered. I took a bunch of those classes I applied to the School of Information at Michigan and I got rejected. (laughs) So then I (laughs) applied to this business school at Michigan, also got rejected there. (laughs) And then I thought about a bunch of majors. I thought about organizational studies. I thought about nursing even, because that's like the most people-centric thing ever, I think, in terms of majors. I eventually just kind of like landed on econ. I don't think I'm like super passionate about econ. In terms of like choosing a major, I would say like major doesn't matter a ton. I think mm-hmm. econ has very little to do with like what I'm doing right now and the things I'm passionate about. In terms of just finding your passions in general, I just try. I just try everything. Like I've taken so many different classes. I joined lots of different clubs. I've, I guess just to give you an idea of like some of the stuff I've done in college. Last year, I was going down like a YouTube rabbit hole during the primary elections in, in the US and I stumbled upon Andrew Yang video. And back then he was like really, really small. Nobody knew about him. And I just went down that whole rabbit hole. I really resonated with his vision. And so I campaigned for him for a few months and I had never been into politics before, but I was just really passionate about the vision of just unity and data-driven policy. And yeah, so that was like very weird. Like nobody expected me to get into politics in college. I resonated with it. So I just gave it a try. I was interested in like marketing and online business. So I tried that for a while. I was like watching a bunch of YouTube videos. I guess a common trend here is like watching YouTube videos. I was watching a lot of YouTube videos about like e-commerce. I eventually I just felt comfortable enough to just try it on my own. So I tried, you know, I made an e-commerce business and it failed and I made another one and it actually made money. Uh, And then I made like a clothing brand a couple years ago. So if something seems like remotely interesting and you feel like, oh, this could be fun and just just weigh the risks, like what are the downsides? For me, the potential downsides have always been, I'll find out that I don't like it. That's a great thing too. It's it's great to find out that you don't like something because then you're just one step closer to finding something that you do like. So 
that's kind of like my philosophy. Just try everything if it sounds like remotely interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And it sounds like you are a self-starter. I am curious, though, if any communities have played a role in your passions, whether they have informed your passions or you've used your passion to decide like which communities to form or join. I think communities and like individual people have really informed my like mindset and decisions i guess my parents actually like okay parents are kind of like a two-sided coin or i don't know if that's a term but you know like i think that parents are a source of expectations to do things a certain way i am really thankful for just how they always push me to try new things i have two brothers and they like really pushed us to even like try new foods Mm -hmm. it doesn't sound related but i think they always just tried us to like get outside our comfort zone i'm a very naturally like passive kind of like timid person growing up so i think that them encouraging me to always like push myself outside of my comfort zone my boundaries that really helped i think they tried really hard throughout high school and it didn't really, I was just too stubborn, but I think eventually it broke through and thing and something in my mindset changed. Also LinkedIn. So this summer I did a lot of stuff. I met a lot of people and I, I think at the beginning of this summer I had 400 connections on LinkedIn and now I have, I think 6,500. And that's just kind of insane to think about because I, I didn't even know what networking was. Like I didn't really use LinkedIn before, but I think meeting people on LinkedIn really changed my perception of just like networking and like making friends online. Mm -hmm. And hey, I wouldn't have ended up here if it weren't for, (laughs) if it weren't for that. Very true. On this podcast, there is a lot of online communities that helped with that mindset. Like in my internship at Salesforce, there are a lot of like hardcore networkers, uh, like people who are just really good, like reaching out and making friends and meeting new people. I guess I'll shout out a couple of people like co-founder of Product Buds, Grace Young. She's great at networking and just like self-starting. And she started a community of students called Product Buds, and they are a group of aspiring product managers. And that's something that I was interested in. So I met a lot of people through that. And actually, she was one of the inspirations for me to start my own community, which is TechPod. And, you know, I grew TechPod starting the summer after like being inspired by a bunch of other online communities as a business student. Uh, or an econ student, you know, a non-technical student interested in the tech industry and interning at a tech company like Salesforce. One of the things I'm really passionate about is showing people that you don't have to be a coder and you don't have to be an engineer to work in tech. These tech companies like Google, Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, Salesforce, they all have a business side that's not just coders. I was a business operations intern this summer and I'm a technical writer now. Yeah, that's why we built TechPod. It's a community of students interested in breaking into the business side of the tech industry. Yeah, to answer your question, like that's a community that I've been building this summer that I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. And it aligns well, I think, with passion that you brought up earlier of just working with people, helping people. Mm. So it makes perfect sense to me. Going off of that a little bit, I want to talk about passion projects, which I think are a very interesting concept because from my perspective, it seems like passion projects are often separate from work that needs to be done, whether that's schoolwork or an actual job. A lot of people have, you know, a side hustle or other thing that they're working on. So because it's usually separate from what we need to do, what do you think this says about 
what people typically commit their time to or what they feel like they need to do. It's kind of sad, isn't it? <laughs> that people don't spend time on the things that they care about, that they're passionate mm-hmm. about. You know, you have to have a separate project that you're actually passionate about outside of the 40 hours a week that you spend at work, which is a pretty significant amount of time, like as a percentage of your life. So, I mean, yeah, that is pretty sad when you think about it. I don't think like you're ever going to be fully passionate about 100% of the tasks that you do in a certain job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every job is going to have parts that you enjoy and parts that you don't enjoy. The thing for me, like when I'm looking for jobs is not so much about the actual job function, but more about the company. So the type of people that you work with mm-hmm. and the type of impact that you have. For example, when I was volunteering for Angie Yang's campaign, I was doing a lot of grunt work. Like I was going door to door and like, asking people to vote and I was phone banking. So you like call people in Iowa and ask them to vote and you get shouted at a lot. When you look at the work itself, like calling people on phones, it's not like the most enjoyable thing, but that didn't feel like work at all to me because I, I just really believed in the mission of the campaign. And I think it's the same thing with companies like Salesforce is a place that I feel really encourages innovation, encourages ideas to come from the grassroots, so from the ground up. If you're an individual contributor, you're not even a manager. I think that they are really encouraging of like just voicing your opinions and getting ideas from the grassroots level. So that's something that I really value. And I think that regardless of the position, I would be happy to work as Salesforce for that reason. This is kind of a tangent, but I'm still a huge advocate of passion projects. I think I'm always going to be working on passion projects, uh, regardless of where I am. Even if I'm working at a full-time job, I don't plan on like stopping my passion projects because I think Mm -hmm. with companies and jobs, there's always going to be restrictions that you can't do 100% what you want to do. That's okay. That's why you have the passion projects. Yes. And on that note, a little bit, I think that passion projects are bound to happen. Even if your full-time job is your passion project, right? Like you're maybe starting a company or whatever it is. Mm. I think that you will form a new passion project. Maybe that's like learning how to cook or garden or (laughs) become an artist, whatever it is. I think that there will always be a passion project. Yeah, it's an interesting way of thinking about it. Passion project doesn't have to be like a startup. Right, right. <laughs> like I think everyone on LinkedIn, this crowd is thinks of it as, you know, you have to make a startup. But yeah, like painting or cooking or just picking up a hobby, that's a passion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Do you think it is realistic to say that all passions can align with a career? I'm an idealist, so I would say yes. But I think most people would say no, just because of how the incentives of our economy are aligned. I think that art is undervalued, not just like physical art, but just in general, like music and painting and the arts in general. I think if you're interested in, you know, softer things like that, you're not going to be as valued by the economy. It's much harder to make that a career path. So I think it's always possible, but I think it's less likely and much harder. So I think there's something wrong with that. I (laughs) I think we as a society should value the arts a lot more. There's various policy ways of doing that and just mindset ways of doing that. Unfortunately, it's not as possible. But I think I see a lot of technology and innovation happening in that space that's Mm -hmm. actually contributing towards making a more robust like creator economy. For example, like Gumroad is a company I'm like really interested in. They are basically a platform for creators to sell their work and sell their stuff. You know, they don't have to sign with their record label. I don't know how the art industry works, but Gumroad is kind of like trying to democratize that 
or for example, like Patreon. I think Patreon's an awesome way to for creators to not depend on huge networks uh, and kind of sell their own stuff independently. Mm-hmm. So I think there's ways that technology is helping independent artists and creators. I think is really cool to see. I agree that art is not valued enough. We can save that conversation for our next podcast together. <laughs> yeah. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I definitely agree. My last question for you is, do you have any last words of wisdom for students who are still trying to identify their passions in college? Yeah, I would say no pressure. I think that's the main thing that I want to say to students who are trying to find their passion in college. I don't think I've found mine yet. I have a few things that I'm trying out and I think I'll find things eventually, but I agree that passions will change all the time. So my advice is just try a bunch of things out. If you don't find something that you're passionate about after trying a bunch of things, that's fine. You don't have to find it in college. College is such a arbitrary like amount of time, like these four years. Like, Why do you have to find your passion in these four years? You have your whole rest of your life. So I think that's my advice. Yes, that's great. Thank you so much again for joining us, Joseph. It was great chatting with you. Yeah, this is fun. (laughs) To anyone tuning in, thank you for joining us. As always at Opal, we shine brighter together and we'll see you next time. 